It's the Climate Cause. Hello! Welcome to the Climate Cause. I'm Maddie Rez, a human being on the planet Earth, and I'm looking around right now and thinking, how do we achieve all that needs to be achieved to beat the climate crisis in such a short manner of time? And how do we make sure we do it right in the face of world social, economic, and environmental disparities? This series will bring light to the different ways humans are looking at and doing something about climate change. Join me as I interview so many passionate, smart, and unique individuals who all work in climate-related fields and share a common cause. Recalibrating our built world to address the multitude of issues going on. I'm here with May Okotier Oyakon, and she is a, a climate resilience strategist and communicator. We know each other from the University of Oregon, where we took um, a handful of environmental studies classes together, and we've remained in touch because we share one similar passion, a lot of them is in addition, but the main core being um, environmentalism and how it connects with us and our community as a whole. So welcome, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, um, super, super happy and honored to be joining you for this conversation. Like you said, we share a lot of similar interests, so I'm excited to get into it and just let the conversation roll. Yeah, me too. So I appreciate the, the time and also just that we're exploring this and really it's time. It's been time to act for so long, but it's important that we do it collaboratively and um, there's just so many approaches, but the most important thing is to be intentional in this work. Um, so my intention today is just to explore um, a little bit more about who you are and what you do and how it connects to the bigger picture um, as we move forward. Um, and so I've been opening with this big question. How do you connect the dots between climate action, adaptation, resilience as a opportunity for improving society as the better? Yeah, um, thanks for that question, Maddie. I think it's a really, really important one. Like, how do we connect the, how do we connect the dots between these topics that I feel like there are just a bunch of different definitions for, quite frankly. Um, so I think it's really about establishing like a common understanding of what these terms are. So climate action, right? Like to me, I understand climate action as planning for, the resilience of our like interconnected systems, our human systems, our ecological systems, um, our economic systems, things like that. Um, so planning for the resilience of these systems in the face of global socio-ecological destabilization. So that's like connecting climate action and resilience. And I, and I think why I like thinking about climate action using a resilience framework um, is, is it, it becomes with this almost unspoken understanding that thinking and planning for the near term is just, it's not enough anymore. I think that's been the status quo. Like that's what we've been doing, appeasing our short-term desires and needs and not planning with foresight. And so connecting climate action with resilience means that, like you said, we need to be intentional about, you know, how are we going to be here for the long run? 
Um, and so, you know, adaptation, I think, fits within a climate resilience framework. And so the climate resilience framework that I use to guide my work actually comes from the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People or the NAACP. Um, and they pitch that climate resilience includes mitigation, um, adaptation, so that's where adaptation shows up, um, deep democracy and equity, right? So like mitigation, we need to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. That's like a huge part of climate action. But then adaptation is thinking about, okay, how are we preparing communities for what's to come? So it adds the human element. Um, deep democracy, so like the importance of including all voices at the table, especially those at the margins. So like really fostering this strong sense of community power and participation. Um, and then of course, equity. So how are we redressing these like historic um, racial, social harms um, and dismantling these structures of oppression? So all of those in composite contribute to this resilience framework that needs to be at the forefront of climate action. And so um, that's kind of how I connect those things together that climate action needs to be done through a resilience framework and that resilience framework includes adaptation within it. It's, it's challenging and often underlooked the importance of the factors that we're dealing with and not necessarily um, watering them down or looking at them in a way that's like, oh, well, I, I find that often with um, environmental movement or environmental um, sticking points that people choose. It's like, oh, well, hypothetically, if we had this, um, we could solve the X, Y, and Z issue. But um, from the way that you're connecting these dots and highlighting the reality that we have a lot, there has been systematic um, inequities in all of our systems that have brought us to this point. And if to not address them is not addressing the real issue. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Getting to the root of things. Um, so I think that like that is like what really leads to transformative change. Like you cannot you can't solve problems with the same mindset that created the problems in the first place. So you really have to do this this process of unlearning and undoing um, and just like unsettling what has been built up that has brought us to this position in the first place. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for highlighting like highlighting that and bringing that up. Um, and so with the work that you do as a climate resilience uh, strategist and communicator, what kind of, what tools do you use or what tool do you use um, and you know true and why? Um, yeah, I think, I think this is a really, really important question too. I think people come into this space with just so many approaches and lenses and epistemologies to do their work. Um, and I don't know, I think my case is pretty, I guess, unique because, you know, I have this interdisciplinary background and like I was fortunate enough to really, um, really engage with uh, the body of scholarship uh, and like environmental justice scholars and thought leaders in the field. Um, but then I also have, I also carry like multi, multiple marginalized identities. Um, and so I think a tool that I, I really employ in this work is this, this practice of 
bringing together the guiding principles and best practices from like academic spaces um, that talk about human environmental relationships, that talk about environmental justice, and bridging those with um, the conversations happening in community activism spaces, like on the ground. Um, people that don't necessarily have access to the ivory tower, but they don't need to read a textbook to know what are the dynamics of power and race that are contributing to disparate disparate environmental outcomes in their community, right? They don't need to read David Pello or, or Dorcita Taylor to know that and to speak on that. So combining, not, not, um, not casting aside the work that has been done in academia, because I think it's been really important in providing us with language and dialogue to talk about these things, um, but bridging that with the embodied experiences of impacted community members on the ground and holding those two as equal um, and, and really valuing people's lived experiences because I think so much of what is wrong with environmentalism is it's told people that they don't belong in this, this space and that the, you know your way of knowing and understanding the world is not good enough for my type of environmentalism. And so you are, you know, you are othered, you're casted out, you're marginalized, but really holding these two things that are that are at times really conflicting, kind of like the science, the academic with people's lived experiences, holding those as equal and complementary. Um, is something that I really try to carry forward in my work and, and use that to uplift community stories as well. So the work that you've done in Georgia and as well in Oregon, yeah, um, yeah. How, how have you seen that like evolve um, as you have stepped further into the space? How, how have I seen what evolve exactly? Um, your ability to communicate from the academic um, perspective to the boots on the ground. Ah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I really, it, it was a very introspective experience um, coming into a community that I've never engaged with before, coming with all of these like fancy academic terms and explaining to them what I wanted to do. And a lot of people were just not getting it. They weren't like engaging. I thought they just weren't interested. And I feel like, like I said, that has been like historically the issue with these environmental spaces is that they use like really non-inclusive jargon. Um, and they, it's, they're not, the pictures are not painted in a way where they are representative of the communities that are most impacted by environmental issues. I had to change how the way I, how I was communicating. I mean, I really had to bring into people's lived experiences and not even that, I, I really asked them. I had to reframe it from I'm teaching you about something to I'm trying to bring out what you probably already know and, and thinking about it that way. Not that I'm bringing this new information to this community, but Black and Indigenous communities have been engaging in environmentalism from for time immemorial, right? Like we are the OGs. And so it's really, like I said, let like bringing this to the community and framing it as you already know this, you already have this expertise and the lived experience of what happens in your community. Um, I would just like to understand it so, so that I can um, write about it and uplift it and 
try to work with you to engineer solutions. So it was, it was me really um, breaking down this idea that I'm this hot shot, like scholar, like I really had to do away with that ego and, you know, cast the degree aside and just say, I'm just here to talk with you um, and understand what's happening here. Um, and not that I'm my knowledge or the way I think about things is better or more advanced um, because you definitely hold expertise and knowledge of your own. Um, so it was a it was a humbling experience. I think I had to definitely humble myself. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that you've highlighted this transition um, through your growth in the sense that and I think this is something that um, happens and I can definitely relate from my own experiences as you step deeper in down the rabbit hole of thinking about um, the environment and um, all that surrounds that you, you step into this keen awareness of these um, issues at hand. And it, it often seems, I've felt that like, because I'm able it's all in my head stewing all the time. It's, um, it takes stepping back and realizing. And I think that's when you were talking about unleashing and, un, un, uh, unlocking the information that is already, um, within people, um, really highlights just how, to me, how environmentalism also circles back to the fact that we're all humans on the same planet and that there's there's a reason that we're all so different and we have different things to bring to the table and learn and that having one stagnant approach and one way of seeing and thinking that the way that we see is the way that everything is as an absolute, that mindset is, is a barrier itself and enabled in order to do the work that we want to do. Um, and specifically that you've been doing with communities that um, stepping aside and really stepping back into like who you are. Um, and yes, you, you know, all of this stuff, but you, you recognize that you can't do it alone, that you, we have to bring everyone up, um, up with you. And so that, that's incredible work that you've been doing. Um, I feel honored to follow you along on Instagram and LinkedIn <laughs> and all the places that you've been able to provide updates with that. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's been really great. And yeah, it's really just that constantly checking in with yourself and reminding yourself like why you're doing this and and what are your motivations. Um, and so, so yeah, it's been a journey, and I I just hope to continue to develop as like a better public servant. Um, that's that's really kind of the goal. Just just really increasing my own capacity to. Um, improve improve the material and like social conditions um in communities and address this <laughs> this very serious crisis that is enveloping us all so yeah absolutely you you can't you don't know what is considered equitable and sustainable living for someone without asking them um, and you can't ask them if they're not in the room or if they're not being included. Um, and so valuing the embodied experiences of community members is, is that is the tool used to bring people into the room. So you can under, 
understand what equity and sustainability means for them and then build that out. Um, and so, and so there, I think it just challenges you to think of creative ways to, um, to gather information, to do research, to ask questions, um, different mediums of communication, words, pictures, imagery. Um, I feel like it just challenges the person that is um, kind of on the research side um, to think of really creative ways um, to include people and for and to have their stories be told um, so you can understand what equity and sustainable looks like for them and then build it with them. You can you can have all the ideas and all the technical solutions, but if you didn't get to those solutions um, with the help of, in collaboration with community, then who like who are you really planning for, right? Right. So. Right, and so that's why, and you're bringing home that the the um, the tool of valuing this capacity and working with the community is the is the tool and is the pathway to reach mm -hmm. um, these goals. Yeah, yeah, well, I, mean, I really appreciate this conversation and you taking some time to really walk um, us through who you are, what you do. And I know that there's, we could, we could talk for hours and hours <laughs> about this. Right. Um, but in sake, uh, in sake of bringing home these main points, is there anything you'd like to close with? Just, I, I think, you know, one thing, that we've kind of touched on is that there are just a lot of ways, there are a lot of ways to address climate change. I think there, what we've talked about today, that there are definitely like core components that you need to include in your climate action. Um, like, you know, the equity piece and the deep democracy piece. Um, but, you know, if you're carrying those forward, I think the opportunities are just like, endless as, as, as far as how to address climate action. And there's, there's an element of addressing this issue that requires creativity and really like imaginative practices. And I just encourage people to really lean into that because what we're doing is having to create something that doesn't exist yet. And that requires imagination, that requires creativity, and that requires stepping out of the box. Um, and so I just encourage people to carry forward those core principles of deep democracy, of resilience, of equity, while being as outlandish and creative and imaginative as you can um, to address this, this, these, this crisis. Um, so I think I'll, yeah, I'll leave with that. Thanks for listening to this lengthy, but could be lengthier discussion on the climate cause. Check out the show notes and or visit our website, theclimatecause.com for more information. Follow us on your socials too.